0: the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. Beside me, as always, Joey Boudreaux, and this is Episode 3 of The
1: Gifted Life. So this is an exciting time. It is. It is. It's amazing. We've made it through Episodes 1 and 2, uh, really? and they've no. decided, they've decided <laughs> to keep us on for a third.
0: We love it. We love our community partners, and we love that you are able to find
1: us in more places. So, LOPA.org is one place you can find us, right, Joe? Right, and we certainly want you to also subscribe to us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. Windows Phone, Miro, tune TuneIn, and PocketCast. And it not only subscribe, we'd like you to rate us, the high rating, so that we can be out there for everyone else. Uh, it'll be a little easier for people to find us. Yeah, please take the time, rate
0: us, give us those stars, as many as possible if you can, so that we can do a, a great job about spurring healthy conversations about donation. And we want to be easy to find, right? So subscribe to us as well. There's lots going on on this particular episode in the news. We tackle blue and Green Day, which we blew out of the water here in Louisiana, we'll tell you all about it.
1: It was a huge success, Lori. And in our recovery segment, we'll be talking a little bit about eye donation. We like to dispel those myths today, uh, religion and donation. And in our community segment, we're going to have an estate planning attorney join us.
0: All right. And how does technology help us with the donation process? We'll talk about that, too.
1: And last but not least, of course, we'll be honoring a hero, as we will at the end of every podcast. Yeah,
0: one of our favorite parts. Also, we'll tackle your questions and much, much more here on the Gifted Life Podcast. Thanks for listening. And this is the new segment of the Gifted Life Podcast, Episode 3. Number one, we're already smiling because we're on Episode 3. And number two, we're smiling because Louisiana did a blue and green day pretty. Big, didn't we Joe?
1: We did of course here at LOPA we did as much as we could it was so nice being able to see on Facebook certain you know uh, radio stations and and TV stations and seeing all of them taking part you know it was really nice.
0: Oh we had donor families dressing up in blue and green we had one house that did their lights you know like the little white lights that usually kind of spotlight the columns yeah. blue and green <laughs> How that genius was, is that? We had our OMV partners from the commissioner on down in blue and green. We had recipients, those waiting, just Everybody sent pictures and posted them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It, it was amazing. So you ready for this, Joey? I am. So we, we pulled some stats. Okay, so just from Facebook, okay, over 85,000
1: reached. 85,000? 85,
0: I know. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And then uh, when you include Twitter and Instagram, we think that we pushed the envelope 100, 110,000. Oh I mean, goodness. amazing throughout the day from early in the morning till late at night. We had about 100 pounds. Post to Facebook Twitter Instagram from our social media team but we couldn't have done it without those OMV partners without the families without the Lopez staff everybody get involved even Mickey Mouse Joey
1: Mickey Mouse. I didn't realize We're the Mickey. happiest
0: place on earth, man.
1: Put it into perspective. To reach 100,000 or over 100,000, it's like being able to just go into the middle of Tiger Stadium, for yes. instance, at LSU Tiger Stadium on a hot Saturday and being able to just preach donor awareness. You know, to be able to capture that much of an audience, 100,000 <sighs> people being active and, and exhibiting their, their appreciation for donation.
0: On just one day national blue and green day to spur those conversations about donation and we had people from all walks of life like you said the media we had our omv partners the office of motor vehicles Um, we had folks out um, who knew someone who had a transplant or heard about someone they were in blue and green my family was in blue and green everybody got into it and we love it but here's the great part you don't have to wait for a day like that to show your support for donation. You could do it year-round. We want to see those pictures.
1: We want to see them. And what you can do is snap a picture and then tag us on the Twitter handle at DonateLifeLA or hashtag BGLA Donate Life.
0: You know what was really cool, too? We had a family who visited Louisiana back in 2010 as part of a cross-country tour. The dad had gotten a kidney pancreas transplant, and so they visited every state talking about donation. We think Louisiana was their favorite. That's what we're going to say anyway. But we keep in contact. It was the Griner family. Um, We sent them some Louisiana gear, and they took a family picture in front of the van that they took cross-country, which was blue. And then they had our Donate Life blue and green magnets on the car, posted it, sent it to us, so that it could be part of our blue and green day here in Louisiana. So you gotta love that getting involved. I mean, how easy is it to snap a pic? Because I know you yourself, you snap a lot of selfies, right? With the duck lips or no? Yeah.
1: No selfies.
0: <laughs> I think I, I don't think have you got a selfie, selfie stick. stick. No, I don't okay. have one. I could have sworn you did. Um, But snap a picture, tag us. We want to see, we want to talk about it. And it was just so fun to talk to new people about donation people who kind of heard a little bit about it. They heard we were wearing blue and green, but wanted to be part of the fun. That's what it's all about. Yes, it is. Yeah, so keep doing that. Tag us on there, spread the word about the Gifted Life podcast. And of course, we'll have more for you coming up right here. Gifted Life Podcast. We have reached our recovery segment. We're all about learning more information, giving you the facts so that if you're asked, like at the Office of Motor Vehicles or on campus or where you see us, do you want to be an organ donor? You make an educated decision.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, in our previous recovery segments, we've talked a little bit about organ donation. But the Gifted Life podcast is not just about organ donation. You know, it's it's about creating awareness and giving information about organ donation tissue and eye donation. In our next segment, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have Colleen Altman of Southern Eye Bank call in. She's a director of education there. She's been there for 13 years. Southern Eye Bank is actually the third oldest eye bank in the nation. It was started in 1947. Over 45,000 people have had sight restored because of Southern Eye Bank. We work closely with them. We also work with uh, two other. We have three total eye banks in the state. Louisiana, Lions Eye Bank and Baton Rouge Regional Eye Bank are the other two. So uh, we'll go ahead and get Colleen on the phone. Hey Colleen.
2: Hey Joey, thank you for having us.
1: Well, Thank you for coming on. Uh, We just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked before about organ donation and and we want to talk a little bit about eye donation because there are many ways, shapes and forms of who becomes a hero. So uh, can you tell me who can become an eye donor?
2: Absolutely. I'd love to share this information with you. Anyone can become an eye donor, even if someone were Eyeglasses or contact lenses that does not prohibit them from becoming an eye donor. Usually refractive powers that are inadequate, like myopia or hyperopia, that's an internal problem with the eye. So if your corneas are clear and your corneas are healthy, you can definitely become an eye donor. Even people who have had LASIK surgery can still donate their corneas.
1: So you mentioned a couple times eyes and corneas. So what's the difference in an eye donor or a cornea donor?
2: That's a really great question. The eye is so amazing for such a tiny little organ. There's many many components. so the cornea basically is like the window of the eye. It's clear. It's a transparent layer on the front surface of the eye. I like to use the analogy of the superdome. So the color part of your eye, your iris, brown, green, blue, whatever you have, would be the floor of the superdome. Your cornea would be the roof. And sometimes you just need your roof replaced. So surgeons will actually remove the cornea surgically and replace a nice, healthy cornea or another roof onto the eye.
1: That's amazing. And so when you replace the roof, like you say, so does it change the recipients, the transplant recipients uh, color of their eye.
2: That is a great question also, and I'm glad you asked. No, the iris, the colored part of the eye, remains intact. So only the cornea is transplanted. However, there's another piece of the eye that's also transplanted, or grafted, I should say. It's called sclera, the white part of the eye. It's very fibrous and very strong. There's a lot of accidents. You know, mama says don't run with sharp objects for a reason. So there's a lot of kids that actually have perforations to the eye, and the sclera can actually be grafted with little bitty pieces. So another aspect of sclera, basically is to help people with glaucoma. Glaucoma is a very high pressure in the eye, intraocular pressure, and sometimes medication just can't help. So what surgeons do is they actually place a little valve inside of the eye. It reduces the pressure, but you can imagine if you have a valve sticking out of your eye, not only is it unsightly, but it's also very uncomfortable when the patient blinks. So surgeons will take a little piece of sclera and place it over that valve. The valve will still function, but it's also cosmetically appealing and it's also very comfortable for the patient.
0: It is so cool, the things that we can do, amazing. Now, Colleen, I'm out in the community. Um, I get a lot of uh, questions about cataracts and then a lot of my high schoolers say, if you're gonna replace the cornea, Thank you how does that work?
2: That's also a great question. It is a miracle transplant, and really interesting is this year marks the 110th anniversary of the first successful corneal transplant. Isn't that incredible? That is amazing. Mm. So the cornea is avascular, so it really is a universal gift. Anyone can give to anyone, and that's what makes it so successful. The corneal transplant is over 95% successful. It's also the most common of all transplants. It's also the oldest. So every year in Louisiana, more than a thousand people are helping. With a corneal transplant, 45,000 nationwide and over
0: 90,000
1: worldwide each year. Oh, that is amazing.
0: Um, a lot of folks say, what if I had cataracts? I don't think I can be a cornea donor, so I want you to tackle that. Also, a lot of the high schoolers say, if you're gonna donate your cornea, um, how does that happen? Like physically, how does that take place?
2: Lori, we heard that question a lot.
0: Cataracts are a natural phenomenon
2: that happens to people like me over the age of 40. Um, <laughs> there's a natural lens in your eye and it's, it's pliable and it's clear when we're young. But as we get older, that lens becomes more amber in color and it really dulls the color vision that that we have, it also becomes very hard. And as we get older, that lens starts to develop into a cataract, and that has to be removed at one time or the other, usually in our 70s, maybe early 80s, and sometimes earlier, depending on the particular person. Cataracts, that lens, is an internal problem. It actually sits right behind the iris, so it has no effect on the actual cornea, so you can still become an eye donor if you have cataracts. As far as the transplant itself, Tell your high school students that it really is an amazing process. The actual cornea, the diseased cornea, is removed by the surgeon with something called a trephine. It's like a biscuit cutter, basically, mm-hmm. and that particular disease, the central part of the cornea, we call it the disease button, that may be cut in a eight millimeter or a seven and a half millimeter disc. And that particular little piece, that little biscuit cutter piece is thrown away, it's discarded. And what happens is that the healthy donor cornea is cut maybe just a millimeter larger and it's placed on top of the diseased cornea bed. It's sutured in place in a 360 degree pattern with sutures finer than a human hair. And those sutures will remain intact for either a year or longer, depending on the patient. Now there's a brand new procedure that actually has the corneal transplant being performed with out sutures and that's called DSEC. It's decimate stripping endothelial keratoplasty, a big, big word for new technology. Only the bottom, the 10% of the cornea, is replaced instead of the entire full thickness cornea that's a wonderful procedure and those corneal transplants are super super successful it's not for everybody it's only for people with endothelial dystrophies
1: now from the donor side does it affect the viewing of the funeral home this is something that certainly we we're asked quite often at lopa when we're uh, talking to the families about uh, eye donation they don't want to to have any changes in the viewing
2: Absolutely, Joey. I'm the granddaughter of someone who received a corneal transplant and I'm the sister-in-law of a donor. Every single one of our donors are so very important to us. So we actually take great care to avoid any misshapen corneas. Um, Even though the cornea or the eye is removed from the donor, there is no disfigurement or no change in appearance. So open caskets can be fine. Um, That's what we strive for.
1: They they truly are heroes. You know, to be able to give sight to two different people in this case for someone who may have gone the rest of their life blind. But Joy, let me
2: stop you. Let me stop you. You said two people. Actually, six people can receive the gift people. of sight. Six. Oh my goodness. So two with corneas, because most people have two healthy right. eyes, but also the sclera, like we were talking about earlier, that can actually be divided. So one eye can give the gift of sight through corneal transplantation for one person, but two people can be helped with sclera. So if you have two healthy eyes, up
0: to six people can be helped.
2: That is
1: I'm learning something every day here, Lori. That's
0: what it's all about. And and Colleen, I want to share this with you. Um, I work with the donor families, recipients, those waiting. And one mama, and I love the way she put this, her son was a cornea donor. And she said if his recipient sees the world the way her baby saw the world, their outlook on life is incredible. I just thought that was so profound. I mean, amazing. Lori, that
2: is so true. We receive letters almost every day from recipients and donor families and they share the same sentiment it is the most wonderful gift i can't imagine not having my vision be able to see my son or be able to drive read a prescription bottle read a book drive to work and there's a lot of people who aren't able to have their sight restored people with internal problems with the eye like macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy or internal problems unfortunately a corneal transplant can't help them but we try in many different ways to be able to help those people through our research and education program. I wish we could help everybody, of course, but, you know, medical technology is wonderful. It's just not there to help everyone yet. So for people with corneal blindness or or injury or disease, we're able to help them. But who knows what's going to happen in the next 10 years with our research and education program. Maybe we can help everybody.
1: You're absolutely right. Well, thank you so much, Colleen, for joining us and helping us to enlighten ourselves as well as our audience. So I really appreciate you coming on with us
2: yes. joey and Lori? it was a pleasure thank you so much
0: we're tackling myths here on the gifted life podcast episode three we always like to bring up a myth that we hear in the community we like to dispel it and we like to uh, arm you with the facts so today joey we are talking about donation is against my religion we hear that a lot
1: Yes, we do, Laurie. You know, we also hear when that time comes for the family to make that decision, they'll ask us as LOPA staff, does my religion support donation? And the the answer is that all major religions in the United States support donation as a charitable act to give oneself to another. But we encourage them to speak directly to their church leader or clergy, because it's it's very important to get that personal decision or or discussion Mm -hmm. between the two.
0: And you know what's great, especially here in the Baton Rouge area, which is where I work, a lot of these religious leaders are inviting us in. So we talk about it together. We work with a group of of parish nurses that are tied to one of our largest donor hospitals, Our Our Lady of the Lake, and they always bring up, Adam gave a rib to Eve, so we support donation. So I just love how different people say it in different ways and... You know, we like that. But if you want more about it, you want to learn more about it, read up for yourself. Like Joey said, talk to your religious leaders. But also, we want you to visit DonateLifeLA.org. It's a one-stop shop for all the information that you need. And then if you still have questions, send them to us, info at Lopa.org. Our goal is to educate, to inform, arming you with the facts. Welcome back to the Gifted Life Podcast. We have reached the community segment and Joey, you know, I'm out in the community and we're always looking for partners to help us spread the word. I got lucky about five years ago, I got a call from a state planning attorney who said, Lori, I want to help you spread the word about organ donation. We don't get that every day. No, we don't. (laughs) No. So I said, okay, let's have a meeting with this guy and he's been the gift that keeps on giving. Joining us now is Paul Rabelais, estate planning attorney in the Baton Rouge area and really just a friend to organ donation to those donor families, recipients, those waiting on a transplant. How are you,
3: Paul? I'm doing great today, Lori, thank you for
0: having me. Now, a lot of people are probably saying, Paul a estate planning attorney, what in the world does that have to do with donation? You and I met about five years ago. Tell us your interest and what got you involved.
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Lori. I have been an estate planning attorney for about 25 years and early on in my career, when we were discussing end of life issues with people in Louisiana, Many of them, you know, asked me the question. They said, Paul, oh, I'd, I'd like to be an organ donor, but I don't know how to do it. What do we need to do? Do we need to put it in our will or, or we just don't know? And so, uh, you know, I, I, and it, originally I didn't know the answer to that question. So I started looking into it and then I discovered LOPA and then I discovered all of the great things that LOPA was doing with Organ Donation Awareness. I uh, met Lori and some of the other people at LOPA, and that evolved into our firm taking a stance that we want to, you know, it's the one charity our, our estate planning law firm has selected to support every year, and it evolved into an event that is now in its fifth year, and so uh, we're excited about it. We want to thank LOPA for everything that they've done, and so that's that's the quick history of how we got
0: involved. And and Paul is humble. Without Paul, none of this would have happened, Joey. So we're going into our fifth year, and this man has done quite the deed for organ donation.
1: Yes, Laura, you're absolutely right. It, it's amazing what one person can do. Just in the Baton Rouge area alone, he's helped raise $70,000 in funds that help us in our efforts to educate the you know the public it's huge we owe a great debt of gratitude to him you know it's an outstanding thing and and actually you you mentioned the fifth year we're going to be having it again Uh, it'll be in october on october 3rd of this year so we're looking forward to another fantastic run
0: yeah we're asking that you mark your calendar save the date and it's it's a 5k and it's a half mile fun run but paul this is really a celebration of life for those families for those donor families this is the day that they get together and celebrate their hero or the person who saved their life, their loved one. It's really an inspirational day.
3: Yeah, what I have to reiterate is uh, no, no one person can, can do all of what's been done over the last five years. It's really been a team of people. We have, we have high schools bringing volunteers, uh, dozens or hundreds of volunteers, out to help support the cause. We have donor families and donor recipient families who bring dozens, friends and families out there to support a donor recipient or uh, remember an organ donor. So they play a large role in the success of this event, obviously Lori and the people at moPA do a tremendous job getting everything organized. So there's a lot of different people, a lot of different organizations, a lot of corporate sponsors out there who contribute to making this event a, a success. So we're, we're really excited about the fifth annual this year. And, and uh, in october it's always nice weather and so we're looking forward to that and thanks everybody out there who
0: wants make it a success. And the catalyst for all of this is you, Paul Robelay, who said, let me learn a little bit more about this. As you learn more about donation, let's do more and look what we've been able to accomplish. It's just amazing that someone in the business world wants to be our community partner and help us make life happen. That doesn't happen every day, Paul. You know how grateful we are.
3: Well, I appreciate that, and it's really something that anybody who lives in Baton Rouge and lives in Louisiana it ought to be one of those bucket list items to come out to this event because it's so much more than the walk and the run. It's, it's hearing all those stories and meeting all these families. And uh, it's really a positive event for the community, so I'm just happy to be a part
0: of it. It's great. We have folks who are already designing their T-shirts for October 3rd. Mark your calendar. Um, Buttons, the colors they're going to wear, they're coordinating. We have new families who are going to be part of our run. We have just runners who want to come out because Paul gives cash prizes. How cool is that, Joey?
1: Uh, I'll take it.
0: That makes you want to run, huh, Joe?
1: (laughs) My my slow jog might turn to a a, a brisk one.
0: But we appreciate the help, Paul. We appreciate uh, the partnership, and we know that you'll be with us for years to come, and we just can't thank you. Over $70,000 poured into the Baton Rouge community for organ donation awareness. We just can't thank you enough. Well,
3: uh, like I said, I'm happy to be a part of it. It's a cause that gets helped by many, many people. And uh, it's, it's fun, it's exciting it's, and it's great for the community. So can't wait till October 3rd of this year. Paul Rabelais, Rabelais law
0: firm, community helper, but just, all-around great guy. So we have the Robley Run for Life coming up on October 3rd, 2015 in Baton Rouge, Pennington Biomedical Research Center. We hope you make it a family affair and know that as we get closer to the race, you'll be able to sign up online at lopa.org, lopa.org. Check those calendars and make sure that you are a part of this life-changing event.
1: That was wonderful. and Laura, I know you're looking forward to that race.
0: Oh, my goodness. It is great. I love that we continue to grow. You know, when we first started, um, we were trying to do a new race in Baton Rouge, and they said, oh, you'll be lucky if you get 50 people. That was the the running folks, right? And so I said, oh, you know, we're going to push through. And Paul said, no, we're going to do this. And now we're over 500 strong, and we're growing every year. And this is our fifth annual. Like, when we started, we really didn't think we could say, hey, we're going to have an annual event here that's going to garner this much support but it continues to grow thanks to people like paul our lopa staff who uh, lend a helping hand donor families recipients those waiting on a transplant it's really a family involved project
1: yes and, and as paul said it's a team effort
0: we try to push the envelope a little bit let you know kind of what's on the horizon as far as technology goes what's being used in the world of donation and this next segment joey has really helped the donation process in general
1: yes it has laurie we do a significant amount of testing on the organs and some of that testing includes radiology Some of that includes echoes, which are really like ultrasounds of the heart. We check each organ's function before we can say, well, this organ is suitable or or not suitable. And organ donation is not an eight to five or nine to five job. You know, it's, it's a 24 hour job. And oftentimes these tests are needed in the middle of the night. So we've been able to partner up with a company called CompuMed. And they're actually, they're out of Los Angeles and they provided us with a software that allows us to upload these x-rays and echoes and things up onto the cloud and they have physicians on the other end who can interpret these at any time of the night basically Mayor. within within an hour of us doing the echo or doing the, the radiology wow you know it's been a real big benefit organ recovery cases take quite some time oftentimes up to over a day 24 mm-hmm. hours long and and it's been able to help us cut down that time significantly and in some cases it's helped us when we didn't have that opportunity to do an echo or do these certain tests. It's given us that opportunity where we've saved an extra life or two and we've helped facilitate that life saving.
0: I just love hearing those stories, um, and it's just helping those families who have been in that hospital for for so long, just kind of progressing and, and moving things forward to help make that wish come true. So technology is so amazing, and who knows what will happen tomorrow?
1: Yeah, there's certainly there's a lot of needs out there, and we keep working with our partners, working with our IT, you know, working with with anyone who can give us that little added help, anything to facilitate and make it a little bit easier for organ donation to take place.
0: It's time to honor a hero here on the Gifted Life Podcast. Um, When we first started these podcasts, we said it's very important that we set aside time to honor those silent heroes who save lives each and every day. And at this point in the podcast here, Episode 3, we want to share the story of Tabitha McClendon In 2011, she was a little girl, only 12 years old, but she wanted to open a bank account. And in order to do that, she had to go to the Office of Motor Vehicles, and she had to get an ID. So while there, what do you think they asked?
1: Do you want to be a donor?
0: Do you want to be an organ donor? And she said... Yes, if I can save lives, I'd like to. And she said she heard the person next to her saying no to that same question. So that spurred a conversation, which is what we're hoping this podcast does with you and your family. So she talked to her parents. You know, if I can save lives through organ donation in my death, I want to do that. About a week later, dad drops her off at a skating party for her friends. And he gets a call, she's not feeling so great. He asks, do you want me to pick you up? She says, no, I'd like to stay here. And he says, okay, well, I'm gonna circle back and I'll, I'll be in the area in case you need me. And he got a phone call not very long after that um, she was seizing doctors told dad and mom that she had a rare undetected brain bleed had nothing to do from from skating or or anything it was just a rare undetected brain bleed that they couldn't do anything about she was declared brain dead and the topic of donation came up in that hospital room as it does for many families but this family had talked about it and that 12 year old told mom and dad what she wanted and she wanted to save lives it was tabitha's wish so dad tells that story and he says it was so comforting because they had that conversation he knew that if something had happened to his daughter that she would want to save lives and she did
1: yeah and he's actually since created a facebook page yes called tabitha's wish and you can learn about her and her courageous story there. Yeah, she saved
0: seven lives. We're still talking about her today. Dad is one of our biggest advocates. And actually, uh, we talked about the Robberley run for life. Tabitha's dad, Duncan, gives an award for the person who crosses the finish line last. And he says, because that person wasn't there to win the cash prizes, that person was there to support the cause. So they get the Tabitha's Wish Award which is pretty cool. At this point, we just want to pause and we want to thank Tabitha McClendon for her gift of life. Address your questions. We're going to answer some here on the podcast. If you have questions you want to throw at us, info at lopa.org. Info at lopa.org. Today's question, Mr. Boudreau Can you donate organs if you had secondary hepatitis with mono 40 years ago? I've always been told not to donate blood or plasma. Is this true in fact it's
1: for blood plasma and bone marrow donations it's a lot stricter screening and guidelines for organ donation we're not quite as strict for many reasons but the fact is is that this secondary hepatitis is not an active hepatitis even if you did happen to have active hepatitis like especially like hepatitis C you can still become a donor because there are a lot of of recipients, a lot of people who are on the waiting list because of hepatitis C. So it does not rule you out. As we always say, don't think I'm going to be ruled out because of this, this, or this. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you can still become an organ donor even if you've had these previous problem.
0: We have a recipient who works with us here in the Baton Rouge area and he says that he had diabetes for 33 years so he couldn't donate blood, he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that, so he thought he couldn't be an organ donor and then when he got a little education in him he said oh I can so he has that heart on his license today so don't rule yourself out ask questions learn the facts info at lopa.org if you want to pose a question to us or lopa.org just the one-stop shop for information we want you to be informed learn the facts and we have reached the end of episode three of the gifted life podcast we've covered so much there's so much going on we're excited about it (laughs) and there's so much to come Uh, i'm laughing at this because um we have a cinco de mayo event downtown shreveport and festival plaza and one of the items on the agenda is a chihuahua challenge (laughs)
3: like that (laughs)
0: I love it. So Donate Life will be represented there. And so if you're in that area, we hope that you stop by. There's lots of events going on. Check out our calendar, um, DonateLifeLA.org or Lopa.org. And, hey, maybe you're still showing off your blue and green, right,
1: Joe? That's right. That's right. Blue and green days pass, but you can still show off your blue and green any day. You know, and snap a pic, don't forget, and send it to us at DonateLifeLA.org. Or hashtag BGLA donate life.
0: And I'm going to get this guy a selfie stick so we can get some more pics hashtag. of him there too on Facebook. But we do want to thank our guest today. We've learned so much.
1: Yes, and thanks to Colleen Altman with Southern Eye Bank. I mean, she's given us uh, a ton of good information about eye donation. I love it. And she had a little personality too. Yes, she so did. cute.
0: Alright, and Paul Rabelais with the Rabelais Law Firm, an estate planning attorney here in the Baton Rouge area. He is behind the Rabelais Run for Life. Mark your calendars everybody. October 3rd you'll be hearing more about this as we celebrate life here on the Gifted Life Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and let us hear from you. Remember to rate and subscribe to our podcast.